Meet Megan. Hi. A professional wedding photographer and professional wedding planner, Emily. Hey there. Together with 20 years experience in planning, designing and shooting all things wedding, they'll discuss how it's so much more than pretty pictures and a fun party. Welcome to Wedding Therapy, a podcast exploring why it is that weddings bring out the best and worst in people and how to navigate relationships and conflicts during the wedding planning process and beyond. Hello, and welcome to the Wedding Therapy Podcast. That's your host, Megan Lubeck. And that's your other host, Emily Sutherland. Uh, we are back again this week with Whitney, who is a marriage and family therapist. We had so much fun talking with her um, all about love languages that we were like, we have to get her back because there are so many more topics uh, that we want to dive into. Uh, so this week, we are talking about triggers and pain cycles between couples and how to find and get back to your peace cycle, Amen. which is a lot. That was perfect. Great Thank job. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure you wrote that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so narcissistic. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm like, no, I cannot take credit for half of those words. Um, Fun fact, we actually reference pain cycles mm-hmm. back in what episode is episode two, two mm-hmm. with Kara. Um, her therapist had her and her future spouse um, go through that in their premarital, which we thought was really cool, mm-hmm. but we didn't really dive into it. Mm-hmm. Um, she just kind of mentioned that this was like a really helpful tool mm. That's so cool and yeah. yeah, and it was really intriguing. And so anyways, um, I'm really excited to, we kind of get to dive deep and talk mm-hmm. all about that with you today. Yes. So. And I'm so excited cause this is, um, something I've done a lot of training in. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So I had a professor who, um, Dr. Terry Hargrave, who um, I got to train under for um, a year straight. I got to do um, therapy and sit with him and basically like get to the nitty gritty of like what it looks like to identify these things. So it's something I'm super passionate about. Yay. So I'm really You mentioned excited. earlier before we started recording, was that the professor that kind of coined this? Mm-hmm. What yes. would you call it? A theory or a... Yeah, it's it's a theory. Um, it's called restoration therapy. Um, and uh, it's something that, uh, you know, over the course of his career and working with couples and families, it just always seemed like every time, um, you know, meeting with people and hearing their stories, it would always come down to getting stuck in their pain. Like something was getting triggered, this message, um, this really like almost ancient message from your childhood um, would get triggered, something would happen, and you'd be acting out of that. And so I think it was noticing those things um, that kind of led him to creating this uh, this therapy model, um, which I'm sure we'll get more into. Awesome. But, so you've yeah. basically learned under the originator of this. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, really felt, cool. I felt super honored, and it's definitely impacted um, – you know, my whole whole time being a therapist since then. That's mm-hmm. like how I learned to think about um, relationships and people. And I think it makes so much sense. You can use it every day in your life and it applies to everyone. So I love it. We'll have to yeah. like let Kara know. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you got to listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. We totally talk about well, your... She'll, know. she'll be, she'll probably be like, oh yeah, I know my pain cycle. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> She's like, all right, got it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> 
So what are some common pain cycles or triggers? Okay, so um, here is how that all starts. So we as people, um, we're brought into this world and there's two things that our parents teach us um, that we really can't get a sense of anywhere else. Um, and the two big questions that we're asking the, of you know our parents or of the world is, am I lovable? And uh, am I safe? Those are the two big questions that we ask, um, you know, just coming to this world um, and having... Like subconsciously? Is yeah. That okay. Exactly. Right. Okay. Right. So, you know, we're not literally best. You're like, I don't remember asking those. <laughs> well, I mean... You're so cute. I just want to make sure I'm assuming really that. I want to make sure that's what she means. <laughs> just picture like a little cartoon. Like, who am I? <laughs> Basically, I mean, that's oh kind of what yeah. your parents' yeah. role is to right. teach you who right. you are. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, and so uh, the way that relates then is that, so looking at, you know, the question of am I lovable? So if, you know, you have a reliable caregiver and they, you know, build you up as a person and um, get you really in touch with the fact that the truth is that every human being on this planet is lovable in some way. Um then you form, you know, you're able to answer the question about your identity and like what kind of, you know, person you are. Um, and so in order to form like a stable identity as a person, you need to know that you're loved. It's mm. impossible to do outside of that. Um, and so what comprises uh, the idea of having, of being loved is knowing that there's something unique about you, like your uniqueness um, and you have worthiness and you have desirability. So those are kind of the outcomes of knowing that you're loved. Um, so the other question being then is trustworthiness. Is So the question of am I safe? Like is trustworthiness like a worthwhile like part of, um, of my life, of, of different people in my life? And so we, we learn that from our parents through seeing things as predictable. Like are you going to show up when you say you're going to show up? Mm. Um, and like openness, is it safe for me to be open or am I going to get shut down every single time I like try to bring something up? And then uh, fairness. So does things make sense? Do the rules continue to keep happening? Like does those things make sense? And so with all those things kind of together, um, you're able to kind of answer this question of can I be safe? So uh, what happens with that um, from that kind of childhood relationship is that we receive these things from our parents. It's one way. It is not our job as kids to provide these things to our yep. parents yep. at all. Mm -hmm. It's just a receiving bucket of mm -hmm. you're loved and you're unique and you're worthy. You know, you're, I don't know if you're a person that's worthy to be desired, you know, in friendship or otherwise. Um, now, when you grow up, you start having horizontal relationships that go both ways. So there has to be a give and take, you know, with your spouse or if your fiance, um, it can't just go the one way of your loved. If it just goes one way, it's not going to be healthy. Um, so in short, um, this is so much I'm trying to get it all in there. Well, it's interesting <laughs> that you said that because my thought, what my first thought when you said if it's going one way. And relating it back to you expressing that as a parent relationship, then I was thinking, oh, like that makes sense why people feel like they have to parent, they're parenting their spouses or mothering mm -hmm. or oh, whatever. Exactly. If it is going one way, yeah. like that makes a lot of 
sense because mm-hmm. it becomes, a, as we mentioned before, a mature love when it's going both ways. But that's because you're, you have grown up and you're a mature adult. As right. a child, it is going one way. Right. I don't know. I'm just, I'm yeah. literally processing out loud yeah. right now. No, you're totally on it. And okay. this, this stuff does take a little bit of getting your head around. But if I could just sum it up mm-hmm. and like really simply. So um, we need to know that we're loved and we need to know that we can be safe. We're not always going to be safe. We need to know that it is possible for us to be safe. Um, so the problem being is if we don't get one of those things and we grow up, we're going to have these vertical relationships of, you know, to our children potentially, or maybe you're the child in this scenario mm-hmm. where they're going to try to almost get the things they didn't get from their kid and try to have this relationship where there's this expectation of, oh, you as my child are going to make me feel loved and unique because you're going to, you know, love me. Mm-hmm. And it's going to almost fill this tank. Mm-hmm. So when you're a child in that scenario, um, it is really rough. Yeah. And so we start getting either way, whether it's, you know, a question of love or a question of trustworthiness, um, we start getting these messages about ourselves. So this is where the pain cycle comes in. Mm-hmm. So when there is a fault in one of those things, you know, whether we had amazing parents who did an awesome job, but, you know, maybe just in one area, like, didn't fully, because no one's perfect, Mm-mm, you know, right. the world is a hard place to be, or if we had a parent who completely dropped the ball, um, we get these messages um, that tend to run our life every single day. Um, so for some people, that might be the message of, oh, I'm not worthy. And it's this almost like this underlying like guide that guides us through life in every response we have, and we're completely unaware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, so these messages kind of come out, and then of course they affect how we act. So uh, yeah, kind of bringing it back together. Um, so your pain cycle is when something pushes that button, that button of am I safe? Am uh, you know is my identity okay? Um, you know, am I loved? And we go back to this message, um, whatever that might be. And everyone's is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to read a few feelings that um, <laughs> kind, of, kind of come up. So see mm-hmm. if maybe one of these attaches to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might feel unloved, uh, unworthy, uh, insignificant, alone, worthless, disrespected, um, unwanted, powerless, out of control, insecure, vulnerable, abandoned, uh, like you're a failure, or maybe you didn't measure up. So, um, and I can provide like a copy of this. I have like a list of those things down. Yeah, so you don't have to go through everyone. Yeah. Um, But, uh, so if if one of those words jumped out to you, if you know when you get your buttons pushed, if, you know, someone, I guess let's make this a little more practical. If someone, for example, you're in a fight and they say something like, oh man, you never... You're never able to do this right. And then immediately you go into this belief that kind of pops up of, yep, like it's just true. Like I am, you know, inadequate. Like the bottom of the truth about who I am is inadequate. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you end up responding out of that uh, and coping. So if you feel inadequate, maybe you try to perform all the time and you try to perform your way out of feeling inadequate. And so then you get stuck in this cycle where it just kind of reinforces itself. So that is kind of what a pain cycle is at the end of the day. Interesting. I, I 
Kara drew a diagram for me. Ooh, she really paid attention yeah. to that. <laughs> or maybe actually, now that I'm like putting this out there on the internet, I, it might have been Raul, her husband. I don't remember. <laughs> or maybe they both did. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I don't remember what it actually said, but it was really interesting because it was like the act or maybe the message maybe mm-hmm. it was the top thing and then that goes into a response mm-hmm. and then that goes into an action mm-hmm. and then that goes into mm-hmm. a response is that yes kind oh, of she did it? a great job of explaining <laughs> it oh my gosh <laughs> this was years yeah. ago so I have like a real practical scenario and I'm mm-hmm. wondering so my therapist didn't use the same phraseology mm-hmm. but I'm wondering if it's the same concept just to make it super practical for people mm-hmm. so um, I, me and my husband were at home doing, I don't even know, maybe prepping lunch or something. And he asked me a question. This is so funny. Cause it was like literally an issue we brought to our therapist <laughs> and I can't even remember what it was about. So that just goes to show how silly the whole thing was, but it was something with a salad bag. And he had asked me, Oh, man. I wish he was here right now. We would die laughing. It was like something he asked me if, like, how to put it, uh, to reseal it or why it was open or something with a salad bag. And um, I heard it. So, so, anyways, I didn't respond well. And he got really upset. And then I got really upset. And the next thing you know, 45 minutes later, mm-hmm. we're having this massive mm-hmm. argument about mm-hmm. a salad bag. Mm-hmm. And the next day at therapy, it's like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, well, she's crazy. <laughs> because, like, for example, we just got in this argument. And it, mm-hmm. like, and, and then... I felt really passionately about it, obviously. And then the therapist said, okay, so my guess is, Emily, you don't actually really care about, about the salad, salad bag. And Andy, yeah. you probably don't really care about that. And he looked at me and he was like, when, and he obviously knew us intimately and like stuff we were going through, but he was like, dude, when he asked you that, did you mm-hmm. feel like he was saying mm-hmm. you're stupid? Yes. Or you're not worthy. And it was interesting because when I was sitting on the couch and the conversation ensued, I wasn't conscious of that. Mm -mm. But exactly sitting across the couch, I was like, yeah, that's how he, you know, whatever, talks to me Mm -hmm. all the time or whatever I'd kind of made up in my head. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't really walk through a cycle necessarily, but it was interesting to hear him change not change the message. That's how I was perceiving it. Right. And right. so we, we did a back and forth, you know, like, Andy, is that what you were saying? Did you mm-hmm. say? And he was like, no, that wasn't what I was saying. Oh, and it's so a hard it, therapy exercise. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Trust me. So anyways, just like in full vulnerability, was that me reacting out of some pain cycle? Yes. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. I feel like you almost did a better job articulating it than <laughs> I did. Well, no, you, well, you were so doing practical. it very well. I, it was just like abroad. Yes. And I was like, I feel like this reminds me of a situation I had, but I don't know if it's right. No, you're dead on so it's 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 like the water we're swimming in and we don't know we're swimming in it Ah. um yeah so like this underlying message of what you said like what i heard was what 
What did you say? Well, I, I just heard him asking me something about salad, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until the therapist brought it up. Mm-hmm. He's all, when he said it in that way, yeah. did you hear it as, you're stupid? You're stupid, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, you're unintelligent. You're, not, you're, you're unintelligent, not enough. yeah, um, or not good enough, yeah. yeah. Yes, that's exactly what it is. So it's kind of this, uh, like, maybe never even vocalized, like this, say, so say it is not good enough. Yeah. Say if, you know, maybe when you were a kid, you always wanted to make your parents happy or proud. Um, and uh, being seen as, as good enough was like this, maybe this really big focus um, for you. So maybe you tried to perform really well in school and maybe you never got that, you know, I'm proud of you, you do well kind mm-hmm. of thing. So this underlying message that got written from that oh, about your identity mm-hmm. was that, you know, instead of being loved for whatever you bring, you were mm-hmm. loved when and mm-hmm. only when you performed well or you remembered every little detail. You didn't forget the salad bag in the mm-hmm. fridge when you were a kid. And so him saying something simple about something being open brings back all this of, yep, you know, it is true. It just must be true. I'm not good enough. That's and then the that bottom. reaction is tenfold what it should right. be, causing my husband to then right. go, you're crazy. Because to him, he doesn't understand where the, he didn't grow mm-hmm. up like that or, you know. But his pain cycle is going on too, mm-hmm. so he doesn't get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, um, it reminds me of the other episodes when we've talked about little Emily, little Emily and little Megan. Because when we talked about, like, that, that's the, who's responding, not, not adult. Yeah. Yeah. Emily or Megan. Whatever name you want to give it. Right, Basically, right, right. it's not the adult responding. It's the kid responding. Right. Which is essentially what you're saying because it's the right. kid's understanding of how the world works. It's, that's what's coming out. Exactly. Yeah, because it's, it's like when you build a house. If you build a house with a foundation and maybe you remodeled upstairs and your kitchen's gorgeous, but if your foundation still has this message there and no one's gone in to like do the hard work, it's, it's going to pop up mm-hmm. you know, at some point. My so. most recent one kind of going along with like the you're not good enough one but the one that recently has been kind of revealed to me is that it's up to me to like fill in the blank Mm -hmm. like essentially they're like Like, i can't rely on yeah these people to do this for me the trustworthiness piece like Mm -hmm. i i can't be safe or i can't trust others Mm -hmm. to help yeah yeah and i just i just want to encourage like you know everyone listening to this that everyone has their pain cycle this doesn't mean that came from a super broken home or that your parents really failed you it's just everyone has it mm-hmm. everyone has that message i think that because we you know live in a rough world that has just mm-hmm. kind of sunk in um so i think it's a normal thing so yeah. yeah so uh i don't know we have this question here i don't know if you have an answer for it but we were curious if there's like common triggers that you see in couples or is mm-hmm. it kind of across the board depending on a person's growing up hmm. yeah I mean I think it's going to be unique for everybody but I think I would watch what what do you do so for instance like say you're having a really strong emotional reaction to something doesn't you know a symbol of the salad bag mm-hmm. um if you're having a really strong response well what do you do um so when you're feeling that do you get really really angry do you numb out do you isolate do you shut down um because the way to figure out what that message is isn't by like trying to guess well maybe this is the thing like Mm -hmm. maybe i feel inadequate it's look at what you do like do you try to be a perfectionistic like person Mm. and you like have all your ducks in a row well Mm. if you try to be a perfectionist that's probably in order to cope for saying you know like i feel really out of control and i don't want to feel that way so this is how i respond Mm. so i always say track track your behavior back to your motive Mm. 
Um, so yeah, so I think that's where, you know, thinking about the wedding process, there's so many triggers. There's family, there's finances, there's, you know, spending the rest of your life together. There's, you know, there's so much that goes on. And so it's really just fodder for getting like these trigger areas that kind of come up. I know. This is like a Mecca for <laughs> it is. It's all the triggers. things. And also the most wonderful, like time one of the most wonderful times right. in your life too. Um, so I would check how do you cope you when you are stressed out or when you feel a really strong trigger for something that isn't about it's not about the thing right um, it reminds me of the office when michael punches the, or no andy punches the wall and then he's like that was an overreaction <laughs> i keep yes. hearing that this is a show i'm I sorry i'm obsessed with the office no, do you watch funny. it so i'm not yes. the only one okay great exactly what you're talking <laughs> okay so about. speaking of triggers i am like type a very organized I find a sense of peace in efficiency and structure. Mm. <laughs> and I watched one episode of that show. Oh, I don't have a so strong anxious. context <laughs> of like what's happening, but I, from what I understand, there's some sort of business happening. And the amount of inefficiencies and like lack of production <laughs> happening, I literally got stressed oh and gosh. had to stop watching. I was like, this isn't funny. This is stressing me out. So speaking of triggers, that's why I don't watch The Office. <laughs> that like, and I feel like that 100% relates. Like, yeah, yeah your pain it cycle. actually does. It is my pain cycle. You, and it's interesting because yeah. like my therapist didn't really touch on the, um, my response. Uh, well, it was my response because obviously mm. I, I, we started fighting and mm-hmm. I got emotional mm-hmm. and got in a, f- like wanted to argue or what have yeah. you. But, um, there wasn't a whole lot of emphasis, I guess, on what I do after mm-hmm. or like, what well, then what is my next? Like you, you mentioned, um, if you're feeling less than or some or not mm-hmm. adequate, then do you take on this perfectionist Right, and Thanks. everyone copes differently. So some people lean into control, and some people lean into chaos. I feel like it's mm. usually at one end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I've heard that also. Yeah. Mm. Um, so you became really defensive about the salad bag, mm-hmm. and then you know after that it was like, well, we're gonna sort this out in therapy and like mm-hmm. figure it out. And um, so yeah, I think looking back at that, that action of you know either being defensive or. Um, you know, maybe like that all came from this message of, you know, maybe yeah. I'm not good enough. So what the object is of getting rid of that pain cycle is replacing it with a peace cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, you know, if the message is I'm not good enough and therefore this is how I respond, how would it be so different if you knew at the core of your being, no matter what you did, the truth was, you know, I'm good enough. Like at the bottom layer, um, how would that change how you responded? Um so when when we're like looking at this process, obviously there's a lot that goes into it. Like this isn't something you could just like throw on a, a board. But I think just being aware of, you know, having these really big triggers kind of going on in your life, you're going to go back to the things that you know, mm-hmm. like the things that you do over and over and over again. Um, so, yeah, I think along those lines, I think the most helpful takeaway kind of from this is knowing what your pain and peace cycle is. Um, there's like a four-step process that you're supposed to do. Oh, um, I love it. <laughs> once you get it down. Um, so you call out uh, what you're feeling, so what the lie is. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. Um, you say, 
out loud because your brain hears you talking out loud. Mm. It's another way your brain gets information is if you say it out loud. Yeah. So you'd say something like, you know, I'm feeling out of control, powerless. I'm feeling not good enough. Um, So normally what I would do is become defensive. Um, But the truth about me is like I am good enough. And so that therefore I can empower myself to, you know, fill in the blank of what you want to do differently. Um, And so with couples, you both person, both people have to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh. So they, because they feed into each other's right, one right. giant cycle. So, so if we were using me as an example, since that's a practical example we have, so would an example of a peace cycle in that scenario be? See, this is this is where it's hard when it's like real life because right. it happens so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you went to so your it's like if basic I, response. Yeah, like, right. so I'm trying to think like if I could have done that differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I shouldn't have responded defensively, but in that moment, I mean, am I supposed to stop and say something out loud and have a moment before? <laughs> like, <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Right. Yeah. Like I'm just <laughs> mini conversation. Speaking, yeah. How does that play out? Yeah. yeah, it's a great question because I think that's a big thing. It's like slowing it down. Like for most people. Arguments go from zero to sixty, mm-hmm. and you you don't even like you said. It I wasn't, wasn't conscious. About the bag, yeah, like, yeah. And we fought for. How do you fight for hours about a salad bag? You don't. You fight about what's been actually right. going on. Looking back now, I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but the thing is, is Emily, is that everyone has this story. Like this is like everyone's experience um, of that kind of thing. So I think even slowing it down enough to. Because if, if you turned around in that moment and said, you know, like, I know I'm getting defensive and I know it's not about that. Like, the truth is, is that, like, right now I'm getting my button pushed. I'm getting my not good enough button pushed. Mm. Like, that would have been a totally different evening. Yeah. Um, like, you know, literally saying it just like that. Yeah. Like, that hmm. simple. So it's really being, you, being so in tune with what is my thing? What is my kryptonite that... You yeah. know, when things go wrong, this is the filter I'm going to see things through. Because it sounds like your husband didn't see it through the same filter you did. Oh, no. Yeah. I, again, I don't even remember what it was about. But I think he genuinely was like, "What? where is this coming from? Kind of thing. Like, so perplexed. Yeah. Right. And you were like, at the, but for you, it felt so real. It felt yeah. like, no, no. Like, you're yeah. this trying is like to a convey this attack message. on me. <laughs> like, you're tr- like, you're trying to let me know that I'm not doing this, like, well mm-hmm. enough. Um and so again, there's this, just these misses that uh, could normally connect. So, yeah. So, okay. So just so that, because I'm like a, what's my homework kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, my clients, if any of my, my clients are listening. I have a list. Oh, I love it. I like, I'm really big on, yeah, let's have an hour meeting and talk about all these things. But yeah. here's a five. Like, point. how am I going to watch your away? homework? Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm hearing this right. So I experienced this situation and a, a peace cycle or, or a practicality to that would be to pause. I, I would have had already have to have done the legwork, though, mm-hmm. to yeah. recognize to where know. my buttons are and exactly. what my triggers are. So that's kind mm-hmm. of like step one. Yeah, right. And then step two is in the moment be able to be self-aware enough to mm-hmm. realize mm-hmm. that my button is being mm-hmm. so I feel like those two are like the foundation yeah, you it. have to go exactly like that's impossible to do without, without having knowing this. and then instead of engaging communicate with my partner hey my fill in the blank my not good enough or my 
Oh, no, it's not scrolling. Oh, it's fine. My, uh, I'm not worthy enough or my insignificant, or my, yeah, my unworthy enough mm-hmm. button mm-hmm. is being pushed right exactly. now. I guess, and then what? Like. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's. Because I would imagine, yeah. I'm trying to remember, but like, I would probably still be emotional. I don't know if I'd be mm-hmm. able to. Mm-hmm shut it down in that moment yeah i mean that i think in that moment like this is one of those things that um like you were saying kara said i i go back to it like i keep going back Mm -hmm. to it Mm -hmm. so at the end of the day this isn't something that you are going to uproot from your life like a like say can't like cancer it's not like something that you're gonna like take out and it's gonna be gone Mm. um this is part of the foundation of like how you learned the truth about your identity and if you could be safe or not. So, I mean, like such key stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this is something that it's it's more like your oil light in your car. Like you have to be aware of where that like levels at. If like something happens and you're all of a sudden leaking oil, well, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Like what just happened that's bringing me back to this place of, you know, feeling like, you know, little girl Emily who, you know, A, B, or C, I don't want to make up something about your right, life. Right, but right. Like, of going back to feeling like, oh, I'm just this little kid who can't feel like I'm good enough for whatever reason. Um, So, yeah, I think my advice to, since this is such a relational thing, my advice to you is I'm going to give you guys this list. Maybe I don't know if you could link it. I don't know exactly how Yeah, we can actually upload it to our Facebook group because you can upload documents. And so that would be really fun to upload it as a resource. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, because I'm with you, like, Theories are great, but there has to be some kind of like push comes to shove at the end. Yeah. Um, so I would say is thinking about like the last conflict you had that was really significant either with mm-hmm. your spouse or with your fiance or even with like a close friend or family member mm-hmm. and look through this list of words. Um, I think there's about maybe like 20, 25 here and maybe the top two that stand out to you. Hmm. Okay. I would circle and pay attention to those and then say, when I was a kid, when did I feel these things? And tell me a story or tell yourself a story about when were you when you were a kid that you felt inadequate. Tell me about a time that you felt inadequate. So it's almost like taking what you feel now mm-hmm. and tracing its origins back to the way beginning. Mm-hmm. And figuring out, oh yeah, I remember this one time I was trying to make orange juice for my mom in the morning for her birthday and I just screwed it up and she was so angry with me. Those memories will come, like, almost instantly. Yeah, uh-huh. So that would be my advice. If you really want to narrow down what your pain cycle is, take that argument that you just had with whoever it was that made you feel really strong things. Maybe it wasn't even an argument. Maybe you just were really distressed inside. Mm-hmm. Track these words back to, I felt really powerless or I felt really hopeless. Okay, when you were a kid, tell me about a time or tell yourself about a time you felt really powerless. And you haven't used this term, but I've done enough therapy to and recovery to to have my own set. <clears throat> I love it. We um, do so much therapy. <laughs> we're like, oh, in this term, I know. This. <laughs> um, but as you're talking, I'm literally all I keep hearing is like reparent, reparent. So I don't know if mm-hmm. you've come mm-hmm. across that in your mm-hmm. like schooling it's or exactly. studies or whatever. But like yeah. essentially, what you're doing is you're reparenting yourself. Exactly, because you're changing that message. So the message you didn't get from your parent mm-hmm. was, that you needed. Yeah, that you needed was, you know, like, I, I'm, you know, maybe it was I'm insignificant. Well, you're the one, so 
I mean, it's, oh, I feel like you said it so perfectly. <laughs> I'm just like, what am I even doing here? No. Oh um, my gosh. No, no, I'm just like so stoked that it's like, it's, you're totally, you gave such a great example. So if it's, you felt insignificant, you are going to tell yourself or maybe tell baby Megan mm-hmm. or young Megan, like, mm-hmm. no, Megan, the truth and the truth has always been and will always be. You're significant. You're important no matter what you do in your life. Like, and that is when you start your brain chemistry literally mm-hmm. changes mm-hmm. so that's then after we've done the one and two then we literally tell ourselves yep the the new truth mm-hmm. or yep. the new message actual truth right. actual, the actual truth, truth. Yeah. yeah it's getting rid of that lie mm-hmm. that's there's no one on this planet that's insignificant mm-hmm. that's not true um this truth will always be true no matter what else happens um so, you know, I, so if, if it was, I'm insignificant, I'm going to tell myself, you know what? Nope. The truth is I'm significant. I'm valued. And you will notice like your body will feel differently. Mm-hmm. You maybe feel warm in your stomach. It's your brain is doing a different path of neurons. Like mm-hmm. there's a saying in neuroscience that, um, neurons that fire together, wire together. So if you do over and over and over again, when I feel insignificant, I need to, perform or I need to fight my way out of something you'll keep doing that but if you stop and say no no like the truth is I'm significant and instead I'm empowering myself to act um in a way that I am you know in peace say Mm -hmm. I want to respond in peace instead of anxiety and this is what I'm going to do to respond in peace I'm going to go I'm going to light a candle I'm going to journal instead of doing the thing I would normally do which would be obsessing about this conversation and playing it over and over and over and over in my head until like I find the or the insanity of trying to prove to the other person that it's not the way that exactly it you know came out (laughs) I think the encouraging thing here um when you were talking about our neurons or the neurological Mm -hmm. signs behind it is um because I mean some of the things I hear I'm in this I'm like wow it's really discouraging because I probably have a lot of really bad patterns Mm -hmm. that I have but it's like all it takes is just stopping Mm -hmm. and making new patterns Mm -hmm. and how incredible is that that like look at how I don't even have to think like I'm not even consciously aware Mm -hmm. of my actions now and maybe they have a negative response Mm -hmm. now but I'm not trying at Mm -hmm. least like it's just happening. It's so just if I happening. put in the work mm-hmm. to reverse it, then mm-hmm. there will be eventually a time yep. when I don't have to think and my action or response yep. will reflect more of that peace cycle. And yeah. what a cool thing that I won't have to... Mm-mm. I mean, it won't be this big chore. It'll yeah. become a regular exactly. pattern. Mm-hmm. Yes. And That's really encouraging. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so well said, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, even the process of bringing it from the unconscious to the conscious, like that in and of itself, like, is going to make 70% yeah, of the difference, so you know? Yeah, um, And I think what's even more interesting is that when you bring two people's pain cycles they always fit so well with each other. Like, really? In the I was just going to say, I was like, yeah. oh man, don't even tell me. So when two people have their own pain cycles, yeah, they just, it turns into like, this triggers this and then this yeah. person goes into their pain and then this person's pain causes you to go more into your pain and like even more rooted in that belief. Mm-hmm. So even Wasn't one person changing, Sorry. like their response mm-hmm. like disrupts the cycle. And, like, Hmm. maybe even gives the other person the opportunity to take a beat and, like, figure out, like, why are they responding? Hmm. I don't know if – 
I feel like you said this, it was either last episode or this episode, but like, isn't there a theory or the idea that like, you're going to go looking to like remedy what you didn't like receive kind of, and exactly. not necessarily yeah. like, um, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm trying partner? to partner. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's like you didn't. You your body's always trying to, or your mind or your soul or whatever is always trying to remedy like the thing that was wrong. Yep. And so essentially like in the pain cycle, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm trying to yep. say because I haven't gone to school enough, no, but like got it. You, there's you know, kind of think, uh, that theory, right? Something along Alan, those lines. Alan yeah. mentioned something about that. He said, you're, um, oh, he had a great term for it. I wish I still had the notes in front of me, but it was like a... As humans, we are constantly trying to better. Mm-hmm. Like, it's in our DNA mm-hmm. that we're trying to become our best selves. Mm-hmm. So there are choices that we're going to are gonna make that are going to... Mm-hmm. He made the analogy of the baby who's going to naturally try and roll over mm-hmm. because it's, it's designed. The it's mm-hmm. the next phase. Right. And he made a great analogy saying the only reason people struggle is because we get in our own way mentally. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. genetically, DNA, biologically, us as humans are designed to try and continually yeah. get better. Yeah. It, oh, and you're making up for that thing you didn't get when you were mm-hmm. younger. Like, you know, like we, t- we almost, we take that on. Um, and I, I think like one of the, one of the, I think most powerful times I've had sitting with people talking about these things, which, you know, like this is like the core, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we really get to that sense of, yes, I just, I feel out of control. Like in my heart of hearts, like that is the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a helpful exercise that maybe uh, y'all could try um, is, is is once you narrow down on like what your word is or what your pain is, um, and, and what the truth is. So you can know those things and you can know, and sometimes that distance between your head and your heart feels like a million miles. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the exercises that I really recommend that people do, um, which you can do in relationship, you can sit down with someone and do or journal. Um, if you're more of maybe like a, if you process better, maybe mm-hmm. on paper. Um, and what I ask people to do is I ask them to imagine their childhood self. So you had this feeling of powerlessness. Okay, so tell me where you were. Tell me what it looked like. Oh, is your childhood bedroom? Like, what did your comforter look like in your bedroom? Okay. Um, you know, what, uh, what time of day was it? Was it a rainy day outside? So kind of getting really that sense um, and placing yourself and imagining like that childhood version of yourself that felt really powerless for whatever reason. And then what we do is we invite in a little knock on the door and we invite in our adult self. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to ask our adult self in that moment of what do you see right now? Like, what is, what is she feeling? What is he feeling at this moment? What does he need? What is he not getting? And then imagining your adult self coming and sitting next to that part of you and speaking those words of truth, those words of truth that we're trying to get into that foundation of, man, I know you feel powerless right now, but the truth is, is that you can have power. Like you can be in a position where you can have peace. You can be open and trust people and you'll be okay. Um, And that I've just, for some reason, that picture is so powerful for people. Um, Like, so you're saying reparenting is actually one of the names of the interventions that is a standard part of restoration therapy. Mm -hmm. So you're, Megan? 
You're dead <laughs> on. This is a good field for you. Yeah. Um, so all that being said is that is that once you kind of nail some of these things down, um, it's really getting your adult self that knows the truth to come back and speak it mm-hmm. to that part of you that didn't have that that truth mm-hmm. at that time. So. <sighs> <laughs> that was so good. So you had kind of given us a list of things that you wanted to talk about, and I just want to move on to the next one, but I'm not 100% sure like how it's in line with what we're discussing right now. So I'm just going to ask the question and maybe you can like make the connection. Okay. Um, but the next topic was talking about anxiety in relationships mm. and how to decrease its influence. Great. Um, yeah. So I guess we can start with like what causes anxiety in relationships. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> Also super complicated, but yeah, it definitely relates. Um, (laughs) Cool. So yeah, anxiety we know um, is experiential and biological. It comes from both places. So there are people who are born and they just have a propensity for anxiety. Their biology makes a ton of stress hormone cortisol and um, sometimes it is related even to, uh, like we talked in the previous episode, of you know, trauma that is being brought down. So if you had a parent who, you know, was maybe in an abusive relationship while you were in the womb, like that can be brought along um, to Mm -hmm. what goes on for you. I've read that, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. how the anxiety levels and and not just health, like what Mm -hmm. you're eating Mm -hmm. and all of that, but what's happening to the mother while she's pregnant can directly impact that's mind blowing. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it is just crazy. Um, so I think that's a big thing that I want people with anxiety to hear is that this isn't something that you created and is your fault and you're just not managing it well. Um, if you really struggle with anxiety, I guarantee it is not one hundred percent from how you've responded to things. It's your biology and your experience are playing in together. Um and uh I think along those lines, being in a relationship with somebody who has anxiety is is very different, I think, um, than being, you know, in a relationship with two people that don't struggle with anxiety quite as much. Um, But I I think it plays in really well to this idea of like the pain cycle, because a lot of times, like one of the responses um, actually to, you know, one of these like core pains is to like, you know, get anxious or be potentially like whiny or... Um, mm-hmm. maybe being needy Clank, or impulsive, <laughs> right? No experience, you guys. <laughs> just as a random right? example. <laughs> so yeah, where does that anxiety come from? Have you traced that route back to um, where it came from? So again, like the way we've been looking at this. So when you get really, really anxious, like, and you can't figure out why, sometimes there's no reason that anxiety happens. That's biological, but... Um, when there's a time when something happens and you say you ran into your aunt you haven't seen in three years and you just are anxious for the next three days. Okay, well, let's track mm-hmm. back to like, what was it about seeing this aunt? Mm-hmm. Like, what did that remind you of? Oh, did that remind you of a time when you were a kid potentially where, um, you know, maybe they, you know, there was a moment where they, um, you know, asked you why you weren't, you know, I, I'm trying to pull something out right now. Um, I know. I'm like, you know I, mean? I wish I had an example. <laughs> so maybe they, you know, had noticed like, you know, why aren't you helping your mother? Like, what, why is it that you're like letting her, she's sick and you're not like not helping her out? Like, what is that about? And so maybe seeing this aunt 
reminds you of that and you're feeling anxious about. So whatever that might be, kind of going back to what's underneath that anxiety is a sense of powerlessness. Mm. So don't let the buck stop with anxiety. Track it back to of what is the belief that is encouraging the feeling and experience of anxiety to get deeper roots in you. Um, so do some journaling. See if you can figure out when was the first time you felt anxious as a kid. Oh, you probably didn't know what it was, you know? Um, so I have a question based mm-hmm. on that because when it was interesting that when you gave the example of the aunt saying that, that you described as a feeling of power, powerlessness because my first thought or Ooh, I guess me. like experience of her saying that was like judgment, mm. which is interesting because mm. it, it would create a feeling of anxiety. Mm-hmm. But my experience of what she's saying is different than like, and maybe I would feel powerlessness too, but my first yeah, thought was, was like feeling judged. Mm. And I'm just, I guess now that that came up, I'm thinking, okay, how did those two line up? Like, why does judgment then cause me to feel anxious? Feel anxious so. Like, where's that? I'm like literally asking yeah. us to go through it right now. Like Let's how, do do, what is the trail that okay. then causes anxiety? So when you feel judged, what do you do? You mean in general? Yeah. Oh, Do you gosh. get defensive? Do you shut Probably down? get defensive or I probably, okay. I was going to say both of those. I either okay. probably move outward toward like verbally towards somebody to try yeah. to like defend myself where I probably like go kind of like in, lash out. go inward. Potential. Okay. Does it usually lash out and then go inward or? Actually, if I think about my childhood, my first response is to go inward. Okay. So initially it's to go inward, but yeah. if you need to, you'll fight for yourself. Kind of. Yeah. So when you're going inward, what is it? that um, you're trying to sort through and protect yourself from. Because going inward is is removing yourself. I mean, literally, my only thought is, like, that's not safe. That's mm-hmm. literally what that's I, not safe. What I mm-hmm. see and feel from the scenario is, like, I need yes. to go away. That is your pain right there. Okay. That's not safe. I'm not safe. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't be safe. Mm-hmm. And so, Which then causes the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's so genius. Yeah, so for me, I'm hearing this, and I'm looking at your list... And I feel like, depending on the person, the situation, literally any and or all of these mm-hmm. would cause anxiety for an individual. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, depending, you know, because like for me, it's so interesting because if I felt like someone was judging me, I'd be like, cool, I don't care. Like, <laughs> you don't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. Like, if you aren't one of three people in But is life, that a that defense doesn't... in and of itself? Or is that a good secure attachment <laughs> well i think that's so she's saying like if the important people it doesn't in my life yeah if there are me, people like, who could make me feel like hey big. emily like i really think that you are like screwing up in this really important area of your life that is going to have a different emotional a hundred percent versus if some you know megan some rando comes up to you and is mm-hmm. like megan the way you're running your business is irresponsible mm-hmm. like and if that like some rando who doesn't have any experience mm-hmm. in your life causes you for the next five to ten days to be mulling over that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, that's different. Mm-hmm. That's a right. different situation. And, and I'm sure all of these things would have different reactions for different people because they all have different childhoods. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, I'm hearing, I'm not, and I'm listening to you talk about your like judgment. And I'm looking at all these other words and I'm like, oh, at least half of those would make me be anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. And again, depending on the person, and I mean, there's a million different factors mm-hmm. here. Um, but I don't think I ever Cause put it's, anxiety it, in that until now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just going back to like your example, mm-hmm. I think it came down to me thinking uh, like the judgment and the going in 
is my response as a mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. The I think See how visceral that was. Like, yeah, like yeah. yeah, which is interesting because we were just talking about stomach yeah. things, just in general of like mm-hmm. you know the where you hold your trauma or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was thinking as an adult. And I don't know that I would actually do this. I'd probably have self-control. But if my aunt made a comment to me like that now, mm-hmm. I would think in my head at least, okay, who do you think you are? Like mm-hmm. talking to me like that or making that judgment of me or whatever. Meaning I may not actually move outward towards her, but at least in my head, it was more of a attack mode mm-hmm. versus going in mode. And I just think it's also interesting the difference between like my initial response as a kid and then my initial mm-hmm. response as an adult and how those differ um well because you couldn't protect yourself maybe right to me, that's like, what that's i'm saying protecting the person yeah. who's yep. actually hurt right Which, exactly like protecting yourself isn't a bad so if if we go back to so you vocalize that your feeling is what why like the is pain. judgment a feeling um, oh not safe is that what yes yeah, so okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so if we replace that message of being not safe with you know you know, I can be safe or um, I can, uh, let me see, I'm trying to, do, do, do. like I, uh, we're reading, we need like, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, I mostly yeah, it makes sense for you. So, so maybe it's something along the lines of like, I, I can do things to help myself, you know, be safe. Because mm-hmm. we can't guarantee that you're always going to be safe. Mm-hmm. But there's things you can't have that. It's almost like this sense of agency. Mm-hmm. That instead of feeling like powerless, there's this outside force that's trying to get inside and like make me feel anxiety. Mm-hmm. You can say no. Like in right. the sense that like there's mm-hmm. things that I can have. I can do something positive. Mm-hmm. Right. I can um, I can have that level of um, of strength almost. It's almost like I can be strong mm-hmm. or like... Um, I can protect I can protect myself in an appropriate way. So if if you knew that, like if if you were able to replace that truth of, you know, I, I feel vulnerable and I don't like that, um, with the sense of like I can do things to make myself safe, like how could that empower you to respond differently? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't go inward, but you also wouldn't fight them mm-hmm. either. Which again is like I said, I feel mm-hmm. like my mature Megan response, because even though I said that my thought in my head would have been like giving her an attitude (laughs) I wouldn't actually probably say that out loud I I feel like my actual response would be like a little bit I mean I can't even think of what I would say but being being able to respond maturely I feel like is what I would do now in that situation which again took a lot of work (laughs) to get there (laughs) well and think of how successful you'll feel or what it will do to your anxiety to turn around you know when you have this pressure you know this ants back in your life and maybe you get this moment to Maybe she's giving you advice about something she mm-hmm. always like knows better, and you say, "No, I think this is the right response." Mm-hmm. Your anxiety is going to look totally different. Yeah. So actually, I did have that ex- experience with my dad. I won't mm-hmm. get into details, but he was giving me unwarranted advice, and I literally responded. And I said, "You may not agree, but mm-hmm. this is how I'm handling it, mm-hmm. and I know how to make myself feel safe." Yeah, yeah. Basically, this is what I'm doing. You may not understand, and that's okay. And I love you still. And that's okay. And it, it felt Huge. very empowering, like, mm-hmm. you know, because you use that word a lot. And I've started to use it more, like, as I've experienced it. It's, like, was super empowering to be able to say that and be okay and not mm-hmm. – and to have and somebody not, not agree. Well, and I think also – I'm just speaking for myself. I don't know. But, like, 
And also not let that conversation sit and like burn and mm-hmm. think about it. And, Cause mm-hmm. I think that's where the anxiety comes, at least for right. me, uh, we have very different relationships with our dads, but, um, I'm thinking like if I had a tough conversation where even if I was proud of what I said in that moment, I think if I was not replacing with a peace cycle, I would like stew in mm-hmm. that and be mad that he even said that. Mm, and it, right. that would cause anxiety as yeah. opposed to right. having the conversation, feeling empowered in what I'm saying, and then letting that be. Yeah, letting it, it go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, and so for like, for, it's almost like for Megan, she needed to speak when she didn't speak when she mm. was younger. And like from what I'm hearing you say, it's almost the opposite. You know how to defend yourself. You have no problem doing that. But it's I more the internal. It. It's almost like caring for that internal self of yeah. like, you're okay. How do I feel about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though I responded how I may have wanted to, like, how do I feel about it? Yeah. Right. That's like a hundred percent. Choosing. It. It's almost like for you choosing to be kind to yourself, and mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, so yeah, they look different. Yeah. This is so fun. I love it. <laughs> um, so uh, the next point we had was how do you decrease anxiety's influence in your life and I, or in your relationships? And I feel mm. like the answer would then be kind of learn the peace cycle. Yeah. Right? I, I think something – so for someone who has personally struggled with anxiety since I was like a young kid. So this is like a very personal – like fight for me, I mm-hmm. think. Um, I'm sure it has a big part of why I got into therapy. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's some people that want to be therapists and some people that need to be therapists. To get <laughs> um, so I, something that I think changed my perspective was that um, it is not somebody else's responsibility to manage my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it sometimes is very tempting mm-hmm. to just let somebody else, um, you know, do the things that, I think will help if they, you know, do them. So I, I think when it comes down to these cycles, it has to be your responsibility to be, especially if you struggle with anxiety, to be curious about where it comes from, what messages are increasing it, what messages are decreasing your anxiety. Oh, yeah. That's um, good. You know, so being like super aware of those things and, you know, being really straightforward with your partner of like, I'm having one of those days where my anxiety is getting the best of me and it makes me want to like, you know, A, B, or C, have you respond this way or have us not go to this place or whatever um, and choosing to fight through that mm-hmm. and making it your responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's tough, but it's worth it. It changes. Yes. It really does change over time if you keep mm-hmm. hacking at it and keep increasing that awareness. So yeah, I could say that. That's We've really talked good. about that with Alan, taking ownership yeah. of your own thoughts and feelings and then also just like, I don't know if I mentioned this off air or on air when we were with him, but I was like, dude, awareness has become like my BFF. <laughs> like, I love it now. Like you, you touch, you touch on it. You mentioned, um, uh, when you were doing, was it the recovery mm-hmm. program? They talked about awareness and you're like, I was so irritated by like, it. I'm like, that does that? nothing. Yeah. What does awareness do? <laughs> yeah. It's not going to help me. Mm-hmm. You're like, this isn't going to solve the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. I <laughs> had such an attitude. And then now it's like the best because that's, like, as you're saying, like where it all begins. Like you yeah. can't do anything when you don't have that. Mm-mm. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if, if it's almost like you're saying I'm not underwater, but you're underwater. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you need to, yeah, be aware of the water that you're swimming in. Um, which, you know, like 
you're not going to necessarily get out of listening to an hour podcast. You're not going to figure out what right. your deal is. <laughs> but what I would say is um, take a look at this list. See what is like the top two things you feel and just, you know, be curious about that. Mm-hmm. Be curious about when that started, when the first time you felt that is, how often you feel that on mm-hmm. a week-to-week basis. Um, is that increasing your anxiety? Is it having no effect on your anxiety? Um, so, yeah. Awareness is key. That might be a fun little challenge to do on our Instagram. Like, uh, the you handle our schedule, so I have no idea when this will air. <laughs> but um, the week that this airs, we could do a fun little thing like, hey, let's do it together. Hmm. Post about it or not. Or post something like, hey, I did it and I'm working on it. Yeah. Or I journaled hmm. about it. Or hmm. I talked to my partner about hmm. it. Or... Kind of like keep each other accountable or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that would be really, really Mm -hmm. fun. That would be so rad. Yeah. Because now that I'm seeing this list and I'm remembering care, I'm like, yeah, I remember absorbing it, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I've ever actually done it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it takes practice because it's like those neurons firing. If they don't fire, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Um, That'd be fun. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, maybe have your listeners pick their pain word and then like their peace word and maybe like share those oh i love that i think that's pretty cool yes yes i'm glad you said that (laughs) i'd be editing this and we'd be like what was i gonna say oh that'd be fun sidebar slightly Mm -hmm. i mean it's on topic but Mm -hmm. have you heard of dr carolyn leaf dr carolyn lee leaf L-E-A-F. No, so she's the one, I mean, mm. I'm sure because you've done a lot of school, but mm. she's the one person I know that ha- that talks about um, making new pathways in your brain. Oh, um, very cool. With like the way you speak to yourself, things like that. So I was just curious if you'd heard of her. But oh, no. She sounds awesome. Side note. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I could wrap it up by telling you guys what my pain is and, you know, just kick us off, I guess. Um, I love it. <laughs> so I think the big one for me is I always felt insignificant. Like, it didn't matter. Like, um, I would be talking and no one would hear me. And so the truth that I now know and I'm, like, telling myself is that I'm important. And no matter what happens, um, no matter what I do accomplish or don't accomplish in life, even if I just sit and enjoy life, like, I'm still important. So, amen. I love that. (laughs) That's so good. Okay. We'll do ours. We'll kick it off on the Instagram. Yeah. We'll post ours. Yeah, I would love to. And then we'll to. challenge everyone throughout the week mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Fun. Oh, this has been so great. Yeah. Okay, Whitney, thank you so much. This has been literally incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I feel like we have homework to do mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. um and i'm right I, there with you sister <laughs> <laughs> um i love that too i think that's the beauty in all of this is no one's there mm-hmm. like no one's finished mm-hmm. all the steps or mm-hmm. or like gotten it perfectly so it's kind of like no matter if you are a marriage and family therapist or a wedding planner who pretends she's a therapist <laughs> or a photographer who's actually getting education to be a therapist. Like it's never going to stop. You're always going to be mm-hmm. continually learning. And um, I just think that's really cool. Um, so we will link any references. I don't think we talked about any books. This no, or- um, I, if you want to know more about this, I definitely gave like a really fast crash course, but there is a book called restoration therapy oh, um, yeah. by Terry Hargrave. 
Um, he wrote a book. He wrote a book. That's oh, so yeah. cool. He definitely wrote. This one is also just written in a way that is super easy to understand. Oh, and nice. Like, if you really want to narrow in on what your pain cycle is, what you do, and then what your peace cycle is, like, this is the reference for you. Okay. So, yeah. And then I think there's, like, a list that I'm going to hand you guys. Yeah. That if you guys just need, like, a quick, like, just give me somewhere to start. Totally. To start. I think that's incredible. I love how tangible it is. Um, we'll link the book. We will post the, what would you call this? This, like, uh, this is the pain and peace cycle. So it's identifying pain and peace cycle list. Oh. Um, Perfect. You have yeah. a title on it. Um, <laughs> it's like after nine, Which my I contacts say, <laughs> Originally, this list, list came from Sharon Hargrave, so I, I want to make sure that oh. I'm not um, <laughs> yes. taking credit for it. So that's Terry's wife. They actually do it together. Oh, I so, love that. Yeah. Okay. So we'll upload this into the document section on the Facebook group. So if you are not in that yet, you definitely want to join. And then um, if you're on our Instagram, we will, we'll put a link to the Facebook so you can get it. And then we'll, we'll also launch our kind of challenge on all platforms yeah. so everyone can participate and maybe I'll, we'll think of like a cute hashtag or something mm-hmm. so people can follow along and mm-hmm. see everybody's, if I remember. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be great. Oh, alrighty. Thanks, so, guys. Yeah, we love you. Have a great night. Thanks mm-hmm. for coming out. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. It's been a treat.